Hello, and welcome to Dice Populi, fifth Wednesday bonus episode, June 2022. Uh, I am joined with one verbal friend. Hello. Howdy. What's Gucci? How Did you say howdy or chowdy? I said howdy, but uh, I should make chowdy my new greeting. <laughs> chowdy there, <laughs> partner. Ch- chowdy there. Chowdy, partner. Um, So it's going to be me and Chowder here on the mics as we dive into a question and answer. Hold, hold up, hold for... up. Zed Ploid says chowdussy, and uh, I just want to say get out of this chat. Uh, Over under on how long it goes off the rails is right now. Thank you for asking. So only two of our voices will be in the... will be in your ears during this episode, but we are doing a question and answer session regarding meant to be Chowder's adventure, his entry into the Dicey Waters campaign, that turned out to be, I think we could all admit it, a little longer than we expected. Oh, yeah. I'm in love with what happened in this in this story, and we have several of our patrons in the chat. Uh, we will be reading off select messages from them. We also have a list of at least 14 prepared questions. So what I'd like to do here is we're going to go down the list of questions and... In chat, anybody in here, feel free to throw us a new question. If we don't go as deep into something as you want, hit us with it. I'm hoping to be here for like an hour to an hour and a half, maybe. These can be pretty relaxed. Um, but in our chat, we have uh, our lovely moderator, Ray, uh, and uh, plenty of other community members that uh, I, I don't know if I should go down the list. I can always pick that up later. But we have uh, a gaggle of folks here ready to hold our feet to the fire. <sighs> I guess before we get in, Chowder Vibe Check, how you doing today? How you feeling? I'm exhausted, and I can't, like, pinpoint Ugh. why. My body is, like, everything... Or my body just feels terrible, and I can't pinpoint why. It's not like a cold or anything, but just uh, that general general malaise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you think you're still tired from running this very very long adventure? Do you think you just haven't recovered? Possibly. Uh, Possibly. Yeah, I mean, I guess carrying this podcast can be very uh, hard, heavy lifting. <laughs> you know, but someone's got to do it. <laughs> um. Okay, that was that, that was, was an excellent dunk. Uh, Zed, I'm taking that question down. Uge also appreciated that question, but I'm taking that down. I will uh, I'll probably ask that in the back end um, for sure. So I'm just going to dive in with the first question, and we're going to go down the list. I did not sort this as a good pre- uh, presenter probably should have, but we'll try to take it as we go. I'm going to start with the first questions that were asked, which were some internal questions, and Chowder... I'm just going to have you answer. So I guess before we dive in, Meant to Be was, it took place on the Isle of Nar and Eyal, and it featured the mechanic of going back and forth in time. It was revealed to be like Bates' ancestral home, the center of what destroyed the Badlands, and it lasted um, 17 episodes. And it's so dense with stuff. It is our most, like, easily complicated and ambitious adventure no question so these questions that i'm going to ask you off this list i have no doubt that we and our uh, and our chat folks friends are going to be able to uh pick it apart even further but firstly given that time traveling mechanic matt would like to ask you chowder at any point did you get annoyed with his inability to distinguish between the past and present uh, honestly like with how much like D&D players are able to retain information which is none and i say <laughs> and i say this being a culprit of just that you know like i it's it's not a surprise to me that happened i i saw i i, I knew that going in <laughs> like fair enough so like, not a big like, hurdle yeah like I'll, like you know when i'm when i'm a player like i'm always like writing notes and like even then i'll still just not remember important stuff and like have to ask <sighs> 
which is like I feel a like, weakness of mine. I feel like, yeah, I, I tend to be able to retain stuff in the session. And then I, afterwards, there are like five things that stick in my head and everything else falls out of my head. But if I try to take notes while I'm playing, I, I can't. I, yeah, the notes no, come same. out nonsensical yeah, and no, I don't remember I, anything. I get so hyper-focused on the notes, I'm not paying attention yeah. to what's on screen. And the... It's very difficult for me. A similar question from Ryan, uh, just warming you up here. Chowder, how do you keep the gods separate in your mind when, to my mind, they all basically have the same name? This is coming from the gentleman who actually did write a full pantheon in our planning before we started the campaign. Yeah. Uh, uh, asking how Chowder can remember two names while he can't. <laughs> the, the answer is I can't. Uh, I... You've literally heard <laughs> you've literally heard me rustling papers like where where would I put those damn names at? Uh, That's what the paper rustling was the whole campaign. Yeah, no, uh like with although I will say like the gods I made they have similar names because I want them to be connected you know Asgard and Asmagath are twins mm -hmm. and thus you know I guess they have okay. brown parents that, who give them similar ass names that's a thing in brown <laughs> that's a similar thing in brown uh, brown culture like uh take take me for example my name is uh, Taimul my sister's name is Stasnim and like our parents will like get our names confused all the time so. Maybe that's just genetic. Uh, and uh, I mean, Well, getting names confused, I'll say I come from a white-ass family. Uh, my name is Colin, and my brother's name is Steve, and yet those get mixed up a lot, too. So I think that's, that's uh, so I that's think the confusion just, okay, is a so, hu human failing, regardless so, so of the similarity So that just might be a parent thing. Gotcha, gotcha. Noted, noted. Tom, Tom brings up Greg and Craig, because we couldn't, <laughs> the guy in uh, Locked and Loaded, we couldn't remember that guy's name. Hey there, Greg here. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, uh, yeah. And as for Galagath, that the funny story behind that name is, uh, yeah, Ryan had a name for a god, and like I'm like, yeah, that's a great name. I, I'm I'm gonna use that, and uh, I I butchered the name, and that's how Galagath came to be. What what was the original yep. name? Like Galagar? It was it was Caligar. Caligar. There we go. Caligar was the name. Uh, no, Tom, I don't think it was God of Justice. Caligar, it was technically, because I think the play that we went with was uh, in Ryan's original Pantheon, which Ryan's original Pantheon also is not canon. It's part of our original sketch for this, and we pull from it for inspiration as needed. But um, no, a God of Justice was somebody else. I don't remember who, but Caligar was specifically the God of Death. And I think what Chatter and I talked about in planning was we wanted to play with the idea of the Great Charm Offensive, which was another thing Ryan came up with. Uh, and talk about how it's like maybe he's not the god of death but that's what the mage lords would call him and we didn't get into that minutia but that was definitely like part of the planning for yeah. distinguishing these gods on the back end yeah um if we'd gotten into that into that minutia in the role play and still made it fun, I would be very proud of us. But I think it was safe to keep it out. Yeah, like uh, I, I do have various. I did have various notes on like the relationships between various different gods. You know, like uh, mm -hmm. how how uh, Asmagath and Asgar are like the children of life and death. But the, mm -hmm. that's that's not really the question. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I've actually I'm glad you did all that sketching out because we we're we've recorded several episodes of the final adventure, the new age, uh, who's with the name of which has already been announced. Uh, and that'll be coming out um, for listeners a week after this episode airs two weeks for those in the room with us. Um, but uh even though we haven't gotten into it, I'm very, I'm sticking very closely to the stuff you came up with yeah. um, and adding another layer on it because, I mean, the rule we all follow is it's not canon until it airs. If we don't say it in a chapter number episode, it's not canon. Um, but we got enough in there that I have a lot to, 
I have a, I have a lot to work with. Um, so on this, uh, I, this is actually a good segue into some of the more broader broad questions. Uh, JP Bark just asked in the chat: How much was Colin involved with this story, and how did that affect Bates' play? Chatter, if you actually want to answer the first part of that, I know how involved I was from my perspective. Yeah. But for you, as someone writing this story, how much did you feel my influence uh, versus how much of yourself did you try to put in there? What yeah. was that balance like for you? For me, like what was what was important that what I made felt in line with what came before and like what was in those plans. You know, I just didn't want to like walk in and be like, Hey Ryan, your stuff crap. Here's my cooler stuff. No, I I wanted to incorporate Ryan's stuff in there with my own twist and, uh, and your involvement. Uh, I very much like one use you as sort of a reservoir on what the others were planning and, uh, Mm -hmm. what, and also just as someone I bounced (laughs) ideas off of like, Ray, uh, that's rude. Like, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing. Ray, Ray, Ray just said, like, what if it was crap? And sorry, that just that sent me. I just laughed. Yeah, I'm no, like, no, I saw that chat too. I, I can help but giggle. Uh, yeah, uh, like, I remember, like, way at the very beginning when, like, I didn't have even have the mechanics for the campaign down. I just pitched you, like, two ideas, and you're like, oh, yeah, the two ideas were, like, uh, A, uh, the hunter, where, like, all our, uh, all, the party is like being pursued by one super powerful foe and they have to like figure out how to beat that super powerful foe and be uh past and present though which is what ended up becoming meant to be uh and like you were like ah both of those are cool is there a way to combine them and in a way i did incorporate the hunter into into uh meant to be Mm -hmm. in the form of warlock arlen uh yeah Mm -hmm. I will say that for my notes, as I'm like planning future stuff, I've been calling him Warlin, and I, Warlin. it's just very fun to say verbally. Warlock Arlen is Warlin, but um, Arlen, I, I think we we've taken a lot of um, submitted names in the past. I think Arlen's definitely gotten the most mileage. Uh, so yeah, fucking luck at a draw on that one. But um, yeah, no, absolutely. So on, uh, I will say as far as to answer the second half of the question, how that did that affect Bates' play? Um, not a ton when planning. The reason I asked Chatter if he was willing to combine those ideas was just because the Hunter to me felt pretty similar to. Bellerin Ricard in Stoneholm and I was like well I don't just want to retread that and going back and forth in time felt pretty similar to the time loop in A Second Chance so I was like so I don't totally want to repeat that so I was like por que no los dos why not do both and he was and he was like uh yeah and he just fucking did it and to be honest I didn't actually do much planning with him beyond that except for questions about bait um I obviously have a lot of secrets about bait things that I will probably spill after the campaign is over just because I have no idea how things are going to go. Um, but as far as playing bait, it wasn't that hard. I think the the only time that my knowledge... Thank you very much, Zed. I uh, I, uh, I have excellent Spanish pronunciation, terrible vocabulary, so it's it's a curse. And the, uh, the whole thing about playing bait was that, like... I was totally willing to let Chowder take the reins. I said, hey, this is my idea. He's a pacifist. He didn't, uh, sorry, he was he, he was trained by pacifists. He was like, no, you're not doing enough. We need to fight harder. And then he got stuck out and he has this terrible survivor's guilt that's motivating him. And I think he comes from this kind of place. I explained to him the concept of the Great Charm Offensive, which Ryan was like, oh, the Mage Lords are convincing people it's, you know, to, to, to turn on their side 
to wage war secretly. And basically what I said was, I think he comes from a pacifist juridic society. He doesn't agree with that. The Stonehome beasts are there, and he doesn't like that the mage lords are propagandizing everyone. That's what I gave him, and he just took it and ran with it. The only time I felt concerned was, honestly, when we first entered the castle... Uh, it was the episode, I think it was 54, 55 is when we first entered the castle. Something like that, yeah. And, and, and we turned Arlen to our side. Because in my mind, I was remembering the hunter pitch. And I thought that the guy hunting us was like the BBEG. I did not know about Emperor Kaiser or any of that stuff in, yeah. the, in the Salt Spire. Yeah, I had no, no that, idea. that had me worried too because like uh you know yeah. Emperor i think Kai- i actually messaged you after the fact i was like i have ways for you to keep him a bad guy if you need and you're like no i got it i got it <laughs> yeah no no like uh emperor kaiser was always a thing but like you know a big part of like arlen's or the original plan for war arlen was like you know uh you know, the guys eventually beat him. They get to the uh, salt spire and like, uh, you know, Arlen walks in like, wait, there's been a big misunderstanding or or something yeah. along those lines. Or he's like, yeah. wait, before you do stuff, hear me out. And, you know, he, he spills the beans on a bunch of stuff, but that's not what came yeah. to be. And so there was a bit of restructuring and, you know, that's to be expected. Yeah. So uh, Zed actually asked a clarifying question. Was every druid just an anarcho hippie? I don't think so, because in the second episode of the arc, uh, Maeve was talking to that guy. There was just an episode of Star Wars just like this, too. That alien goat, like, rat that Zach Braff played. Just like a truck driver that's, like, totally in love with the Mage Lords, and Maeve is like, what the <laughs> hell is that guy's problem? Yeah, uh, um, I mean, like, the way uh, I split it up in my mind is that, like, the, dru- the druids of Narnyal were kind of split up into these uh, various factions as a result of Mage Lord tampering. You got the ones who kind of agree with the propaganda and joined in uh guys like arlen uh uh you got you got like and then you got the other half who are like no i don't like this i don't like being occupied i don't like being colonized yeah and then like e- yeah and that half is fractured into pacifist uh uh pacifist non-violence and uh a more rebel oriented uh more aggressive ideology um there's a theory burgeoning in the chat right now that emperor kaiser is named for the role and that he could be the emperor of bread no <laughs> the grain brothers did not become emperor kaiser chowder i don't want to speak out of turn on your behalf but can you confirm that gr- 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 we can't start grain daddy we can't start it tom we can't start Grain Daddy. Uh, I, I I feel like the Grain Brothers is enough. We don't need Grain Daddy. We don't need... Oh, my God. Oh uh, God. No, that is not who that what is. Have we, what have we done? <laughs> we did, this was a terrible mistake. I mean, they're they're paying for all of our hosting and stuff, so I guess... I, I guess... I guess, I guess we have what to... they want, we give. Yeah, they're the bosses. Uh, what a horrible arrangement. So, um, yeah, that was the only time I had trouble with bait was just me trying to play like... It didn't affect Bates decisions but it affected me Colin I was like I don't want to break the BBEG because we came we came pretty close to breaking this story I don't think it's as obvious as other adventures uh that we came close to breaking it like everybody everybody remembers the octopus everybody remembers (laughs) Matt spirit breaking at the octopus um we didn't air any moments like that but they happened and uh, uh they they it was it got a little tricky Tom, actually, in a pre-recorded question, does ask us if planning this was 
different than planning previous arcs. Um, I think that we sort of talked about how we referenced previous arcs in our planning, but Chowder, you said that you were trying to honor what came before. So I guess in the spirit of this question, um, comparing this to previous arcs, what were the things that you were trying to draw on? What were the things that you were trying to leave behind? Like, coming in as the newest member of the podcast, what were the things that you were leaning on in your planning of meant to be? So the things I was uh, leaning on was one, uh, uh, Serafina and well, the introduction of the gods that we have introduced, uh, Serafina and Lema. Uh, I took took from uh, Matt's like time travel story, uh, and I've already talked about like how I was taken from like some of the plans that Ryan Ryan had on the Great Charm Offensive and what have you. Uh, from your end, I was like incorporating. Or I was like, uh, finally sitting down to explain what Bates' deal is, and uh, mm-hmm. and even explaining the origins of like Maeve's uh, uh, Maeve's uh, wild magic. I was gonna call it chaos magic because that's how I contextualized it in in here. But uh, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, one one thing that jumped up is you guys were like uh throwing around the idea of like a sort of war between war of the gods, and uh, and like my mind went to like in real life mythology how uh how like sometimes there would be gods who had the same domain but uh invoked it differently in greek mythology you had athena and Ares, who were both gods of war but like athena was like the uh strategic part of war while Ares was the raw barbarian rage part of it and so deriving off of lema i came up with two gods of time one who believed in fate and the other who believed in free will and like uh, going back to the question, uh, incorporating what came before, I was like look looking at elements of what came before to see uh, what could be used. What unanswered questions were there that could be answered here? And then like what I wanted to leave behind for you, because I knew you were gonna uh, take the arc after mine. Uh, what I wanted to leave you was the big bad evil guy finally coming in. Who do we have to fight? Yeah, I wanted to, and like you know, I was. Uh, kind of pushing towards like the final plot being some sort of kill god get the macguffin kind of thing because what good rpg Uh doesn't end with you killing god and taking their lunch money (laughs) actually here's the biggest one that i was uh the thematic war like each of the characters have like something in their past that haunts them something that they would like to change Maeve it's the accident that killed killed her adoptive parents Locke it's it's the loss of his wife and kids from being found out to be a criminal cult it's uh well it's just his very troubled past that he had and uh with bait it's well everything with Nar and Yaw and the creation of the Badlands and uh it's like everyone has this thing in their path that they would pass they would like change so i kind of ran with that as the thematic core like if you had one chance would you take take it or <laughs> let it all slip away yeah <laughs> so that actually leads to another question which i think we've answered to an extent but uh hertasi asks uh, chowder what made you go with the back to the future theme and i think beyond that we already talked about like the original pitch but and now the sort of narrative heft that comes with changing idea changing things from your past but this whole back to the future thing we were saying it a lot i don't know if we edited it all out but we were all referencing back to the future throughout this whole thing um 
But that was one of the first pitches you came to me with. Where did that come from for you? Legend of Zelda. The the, the simplistic answer <laughs> is Legend of Zelda. Like a lot of like Legend of Zelda right. games have like problem solving and puzzle solving that involve like, you know, uh, uh, jumping between two different worlds and like seeing how one world affects the other. And I wanted to do something like that in D&D because one, I don't see that done, done very often for good reason. That's a lot of work. Yeah. And uh, it was, yeah. <laughs> and uh you know uh skyward sword has these these really like skyward sword whatever its flaws may be has some of the best puzzles where like you're like using these crystals to like create pockets of the past and uh and like solving puzzles by like uh trying to open up ways so that you can activate these crystals and then like it's a lot of like four-dimensional thinking and i wanted to do something like that with this so that's the other reason for the mm-hmm. back to the futureness yeah it was um it was pretty fun. I knew ahead of time that there would be a back and forth thing. I'm glad it got introduced really early into the story cuz I don't think I could have sat on that for too long. Whereas with Matt, like I knew about the time loop, but that took like 3 episodes for that to be revealed, which was not the intent, but that's what it turned out to be. Um, you almost it, it would all have there, to work out like that because like, you know, you got to set up the normal before you set up the time loop. Where this yeah. is like you got a tool and you can use the you tool. You need to learn how, how to want. use it right yeah. away. This is the be- beginning of the delta's dungeon here's the hook shot now go nuts yeah exactly figure it out yeah um but no, there was there was a lot of that there, we spent a lot of time in the beginning just sort of like pushing the boundaries of what i don't know how strict your rules were around the crystals but we were really pushing like okay we cast what kind of spell okay does the spell take effect how far do we have to be how many like we were just like needling you for all these little details because we're like tell us what's going on yeah no i I was really happy about that because i did think about the mechanics of the crystal and i wanted you to like use all the buffalo with it so like Mm -hmm. so i was happy to answer those questions man yeah um so let's see i don't know that we have a lot of other big overall planning questions but zed did leave us a question asking um was there something that maybe got edited out that you would have liked to keep a gag a joke a specific conversation that went off the rails for too long uh was there anything that when you listened to an episode you were like oh where's that thing i liked did that ever happen so the problem with that question is like uh there might have been cases like that but like you know as time went on that uh my memory of that faded uh trying to like rack my brain uh yeah mostly stuff that never i never got uh that never really happened in the uh, in the campaign because time mm. and stuff like uh the yeah. s- like well, the stone home cerberus that you guys were running from there was a planned boss fight right before you went to the fields of reverse time oh but like well i had no idea so this this is actually leading into another question jp bark asks us what was something that you planned for that didn't happen or pan out and this is my first time hearing about this boss fight yeah like you know, since Emperor Kaiser is kind of like this mostly a puzzle fight where, like, you're trying to figure out how to beat someone who can't be hurt, uh, mm. the Cerberus was more your traditional boss fight of uh, where you guys, like, bonk it to death. Uh, but <laughs> that, that, uh, bonk, bonk the boy, make the numbers go down, hooray. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, like, you know, we were, we were very pressed for time, so that had to get cut. Another thing that got cut. Uh, past Arlen was supposed to be a paladin, you know, like past, past Arlen's paladin. President oh, so Arlen. he was going to have an oath. Yeah, he was going to have an oath to uh, Asgar, uh, uh, but like... Huh. Yeah, no, he had like a cool set of powers where it's like, 
oh yeah, oh yeah, no, I hit you with like double swords and like both of them are smited, but eh, that never came to be because you never really got into a fight with oh. Starlin, so yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I kind of like the idea of of Arlen having like a sponsor rather than having something he commits to because what ended up coming out was a story of someone that like realized he was tricked by the mage lords and, and is now kind of like living out a penance yeah and it makes more sense that like it it makes less sense to me that he would be maintaining an oath through that because I think someone in that position is inherently disillusioned by what's going on or by what happened I really like that instead there was a spirit Galagath that he like essentially formed a partnership with um yeah i don't know how much you thought about that in the change but just me hearing this for the first time i uh that's my reading on it yeah yeah like uh you're you're on uh, on the money with the penance stuff and uh you know the the idea is like you no know, he's someone who who looks to someone else for power and in the past he was looking to Azagar, but now he's looking to yeah. the guy who saved him Galagat. yeah it's also now just occurring to me that like bait is someone who feels incredible guilt for not being there and uh arlen is someone who feels incredible guilt for being there and not doing enough and it's like it's just this single tragedy that happened because of all these crazy circumstances and people on opposite sides of it were like traumatized in the same way it's like and, poetry i don't know it that, rhymes it 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 it, it rhymes. Okay. Well, now I feel less good about this. Um, <laughs> yeah, you don't. You don't. Li- you don't like that George Lucas quote. I, I actually quite like it. Just this idea. I. I honestly do like it. It's just that some of the rhymes are bad. Yeah. And it doesn't make up for how bad they are. Like the yeah. the ingenuity of saying my movies rhyme does not make up for the lack of ingenuity in some of the movies. But that's fine. Um. So for those of you still in the chat here. Uh, most of the questions that I've left on this list are a little more nitpicky. So if there's any other big picture stuff that you have a question about, a god figure, um, a specific character, go ahead and fire away. Uh, we will gladly answer uh, those questions. Let's take it easy on the grain daddy. But other than that, as we're going, if anything pops up, drop it in the chat and we'll try to rope it in. Ray so- asks... Could you imagine if Emperor Kaiser had acquired Burger Island? In parentheses, I'm done now, I swear. <laughs> Listen, if there there might have been a world where instead of the Zelda-style dungeon thing we did, we just did a business management sim where everyone ran a restaurant, but... Oh boy, I've played a lot of Roller Coaster Tycoon. This final adventure is about to get very finicky. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, hey, we've already banked five episodes of The New Age. Let's scrap those. I just finished editing 71. Fucking throw it out. I'm going to fire up Roller Coaster Tycoon right now and build a campaign on that. Um, Serious question, though, from Iron Skull. I would like to ask you, Chowder, which player's antics were the hardest to plan for? So, like, most people expect cult, but... No, I kind of know what cult's about, and like, here's the thing: most of cult's spells are uh, damaging spells. I so like, you know, I I know what I'm getting to. With you hear cult. that, Ryan? We're fuck. We're on to you. We got you pegged. <laughs> and like Maeve, uh, it's like she's got a large variety of spells. Uh, the levitate actually threw a wrench with like Warlock Arlen or Warlin, uh, because yeah. like it basically create this moment where like uh, everyone could clear up this miscommunication, and it's like, oh. 
I was relying on that miscommunication. But even then, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't call that the worst wrench. Oh, the dimension door thing, you mean? The dimension door is also a wrench, yes. But even that, I wouldn't call the worst yeah. wrench. I, th- I, I roasted you in the moment for that because you were like, now he's 600 feet away. <laughs> so he's out of range with dimension door. Yeah, should have just, just moved him to full 800, but... Uh, uh, but uh, no, no. I think the worst thing for me to predict was uh, bait constantly playing dead. I, I, I just like what I, what I was expecting was like, oh shoot, bait uh, didn't get caught, so like he's gonna like orchestrate a breakout, and n- no, he just keeps playing dead. Uh, what am I supposed to do with this? Uh. <laughs> fucking totally forgot about that okay so here's how that all went down i don't remember if i dropped this in a post credits or something but what happened was uh i okay so we're gonna rewind a little bit back to locked and loaded here um we're recording locked and loaded we're in the early parts of it and then i message pat my heart is pounding and i message pat hey what if bait is the one that turned in lock and i pitched that idea to me and he was just like yeah, I think that works. That doesn't break anything for me. And so at the end of Locked and Loaded, I was like, because here's the thing. Like, I have plans for bait, but I am playing him by the character sheet. So if like if these other characters reject bait, I'm not going to force him into the show. I have to keep working to stay in that group. That's a huge part of how I'm playing him is the politics. So I was like so afraid that at the end of Locked and Loaded, he was going to rat me out and kick me out and i'm like oh fuck what am i gonna do for the rest of the podcast um so when we finally had the confrontation in the castle where Locke outs me to everyone and to the audience and i mean i remember the discord discourse around that time people were not happy with bait reasonably so (laughs) and neither were the characters so when the whole fucking place collapsed and we're stuck in there with the rotting cerberuses cerberi um I looked at my spells and I saw feign death and I'm like, bait is so afraid that these people are going to kill him or kick him out. He's just get, like, he's not going to risk it. And <laughs> the second play dead when I got hit with the book was just a matter of there's literally no other way out of this without escalating the situation. This is the only de-escalation I can do that protects me. So there was a lot behind that decision. What actually happened was I told on Mike that bait is unconscious, possibly dead. And I messaged Chowder, hey, secret, 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 tippy-tappy, I cast Feign Death on myself. And that, I could tell when I sent that message, there was a pause in the recording and just like a general hesitance to engage with bait. And I'm like, (laughs) I felt pretty bad for putting you in that position. And I was playing, I played it so to the letter, that spell, that it was obnoxious. Yeah, no, like you, you've messaged me right in the middle I've used feign death. I'm like, how do how do I go work with this without giving away the ga- giving away the game? <laughs> I'm not the best. You of- you did it. I yeah. I appre- I appreciate the awful position I push you in. Put you in. You did a great job with it, and I think it worked out. Um, there was, and here we're gonna get into some more production side of things. Um, because we did run into some pretty unique challenges with this particular adventure. Patrons, if any of you watch the director's commentaries that I've done on Patreon, you may already know some of this, but there was a day where we decided to record five episodes at once. 
this was a bad idea. Oh, we man. are not. We we were we were adult by enough. Me. No, no, no. I we were no, we no. were exhausted. No, no. We were too adult. Like we were we were like old. We were old men trying to do something early twenty year old us would have done. <laughs> you know, like well, it was it it was such. It was such strange energy because on the front end of that recording, we were all giggles. We could not stop laughing. And on the back end of it, we were so tired, we couldn't fucking do anything. So Ray is asking, did you guys have to re-record an episode or like a large part of it? And this is, um, uh, it got complicated because in particular, we did. There were also two instances where we had to combine episodes. So this was a 17 episode arc. We actually recorded 19 and two of those essentially got removed because we were so short on time when we finally edited everything down, we're like, this is a 28-minute episode. Not great. So Matt and I went to work combining two episodes and then just kind of went from there. That did lead to a problem with the pacing from my end as like a producer thing. Uh, and Chowder, I don't know how this hits you, but like originally, I think what it... Uh, I don't remember exactly, but I think originally what happened was the feigned death was revealed at the beginning of an episode, and we didn't find out Bait was alive until the end of it. So there was a whole episode of, like, is Bait dead? The other players were also like, is Bait dead? Because of what happened, we lost... Chatter, was it your audio or Matt? We lost it, your audio for one episode, but we lost Matt's audio We also for lost three. Matt's episode, and that, yeah. Yeah, so what happened was Matt's audio being cut down, we lose a lot of the banter, we lose a lot of the, the chatter and the laughter, and I go through and I say, these are the lines I need you to record, but that still comes out way shorter than the original runtime. So Bait was supposed to be dead. We role-played as him being dead for a whole episode before we realized that he was a mouse. Instead, that came up like halfway through the episode. So I think that's an instance where like yeah no I remember the episode yeah, remember is, tragedy McKenzie is an all timer yeah. for me but yeah ugh. yeah I remember like listening to those episodes and being like oh I kind of like the idea of us, the audience thinking Bait would be dead for a while and then yeah and then the reveal aha it, he's back yeah. he'll save us all he he fucked up again uh yeah but no tragedy but tragedy McKenzie is still a highlight that was that was a fun energy. that was that was the that was a turning point in the production of the show because of the challenges and I broke it down there are two hours of director's commentary on the patreon if you want to look at it but like that was crazy we lost the audio we had to combine two different episodes it wasn't our first time doing that I don't think but it was the first it wasn't the first time cannibalizing but I think it was our first time straight up turning two episodes into one uh I had covid during that part and i was in the process of trying to figure like it forced me to redo my whole workstation like my my daw setup it was a that was an effort that was the hardest episode to produce without a doubt and i think it's one of my favorite episodes because what we did to Mackenzie was shakespearean <laughs> that was beautiful like i didn't see that, that coming and it. i was like this is beautiful and i'm like in the moment i'm like this is beautiful this is beautiful i love this this you played it so well the fucking the the nail in the coffin of time locked Mackenzie muttering what it why did it come to this the whole time like I was actually <laughs> sad for this fictional character whose life we just ruined when you when you did that I thought that was absolute genius I thought that was so smart and so deft um just as like a just generally speaking I think your ability to like take improvised moments or unexpected moments and turn them into like big beats I is exceptional I think you are very very good at that I was constantly surprised and delighted by your ability to do that uh, the thanks, whole man. campaign I'm, I'm blushing that is although I, that is that is one example of although it. that that is a surprising compliment i always feel like i'm so rigid i 
I struggle to properly react to what's going on around me. Like, uh, you may feel that way, but again, consider the fact that you created two parallel worlds and a set of mechanics to navigate between them and manage to keep it on the rails. So what might feel like rigidity, what might feel like rigidity to you is like really necessary ability to control the table if you couldn't do that this would have fallen apart <laughs> it almost did a few times but you always managed to rope it back in mm. um but this does lead us to another question what happened to Mackenzie after everything got resolved asks zed I, now i little that, disclaimer, yeah, disclaimer. Chow chowder has relinquished control of the campaign yeah my to dm me. powers are but gone nothing it, i say is canon anymore but uh i but I, if you were still the dm what happens to mckenzie well here's the thing i actually did think about what would happen to mckenzie and like you know in my little head canon what happens is like uh is like mckenzie's descendants would be like super anti-mage lord like Mackenzie himself is pretty positive on the mage lord but like that process of like uh playing telephone across multiple generations he would become like the Mackenzie family line would become like the face of like anti-mage lord sentiment the Fred Hampton of <laughs> of this world <laughs> That is that is ingenious. That is very exciting. No no comment on how that yeah obviously idea you, you do what may you or may do. not appear in the future. Yeah, I've got I've I've got plans of my own. This is a real JJ handing off to Ryan Johnson sort of situation here. So who the fuck knows what's gonna happen? But that's very funny. I like so that. So does lot. that mean like um, everything I did is gonna get undone by you? No, but what is gonna happen is that I'm gonna do thing. I'm gonna pay off your things unexpectedly, and the audience will think I'm trying to undo your stuff and get irrationally angry and consider mine the thing that ruined Dice Populi just because they couldn't get with it. Love it. So that's how I'm, that's. I'm gonna all go. down for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Last Jedi is my favorite Star Wars movie, so have fun with that. Chowder, did you already have the cause? and effect rules in mind before it was questioned through uh you know trying to cut off a limb this is asked in real time by tom the tortle uh there were several instances where cult was asking to cut off bates fingies <laughs> the the answer to that is it didn't come to that yeah uh the answer to that is there were already cause and effect rules in mind in the because uh, mm -hmm. again drawing from zelda i wanted like there to be problem solving where doing something in the past affected what happened in the present uh it's so yeah it, but, like, I also did have to play fast and loose simply because time travel is complicated and time travel while improvising is, like, trying to... Yeah. Is, like, trying to play chess on the back of a bowl. Uh, yeah. <laughs> have you ever listened to Mission to Zix or heard of it? It's no, it's no. just now concluding. It, it's an improvised comedy podcast with incredible sound design. It is an, a huge inspiration for a lot of the stuff I do on this podcast, but they... It's all... It's not tabletop RPG. It's just straight-up improv comedy, but they keep a cannon going and they did a time travel episode where like they released behind the scenes and they were like we did not want to do this fucking episode and it did break canon and they had to change a bunch of shit so the fact that you were doing that on the fly for 19 sessions is nothing short of incredible <laughs> oh man like that, that that was very chaotic i guess then here's just a straight up question from me obviously i think you and i at the very least really enjoy the story that came out of meant to be i really really like what we told but from a straight-up DM perspective, do you wish you had gone with a simpler approach or at least a more, like, a clearer approach 
than the time travel stuff we ended up with. So like, I, I feel like my life would have been easier if I chose something less ambitious, but like, when yeah. when did I ever make things easier for myself? The, the, the thing that made me so excited is just how ambitious it is to do something big, even if it blows up in my face. The fact that I tried, I guess, is what matters. <laughs> So do we actually want to talk about when it blew up in your face? I, I I would like to. I think that's a good glimpse behind the curtains. All right, you've been listening to me talk for a long time now. So why don't we take a break from that so you can listen to me talk a little bit more. This is the breakaway and not just a regular this is what happened this week sort of deal, but the big juicy fifth Wednesday bonus. Here's what happened this season breakaway. And I promise I will keep it quick because it's already a pretty long conversation and one I would love to get you back into as soon as possible. So let's talk about the end of the last season. Season of the Origins saw our story reveal the original Badlands take the place of where we saw meant to be go. It also saw the origin stories of three of the characters that uh, have we've been seeing through the entire campaign. And uh, I think it's some of my favorite stories that we've ever told. Uh, but I would like to focus for a moment on you, because you, the community, have uh, supported us in a few big ways. One, you participate in our Discord, and it keeps the community alive and vibrant and fun, and it is an endless source of inspiration and joy uh, for those of us making the show, and hopefully those of you uh, watching slash listening to the show. And we like to keep track of our Discord members' contributions for the sake of awarding a winner. So I'm going to read off the top three most active participants here in the last month. And the winner does get a uh, either a free piece of merchandise or paraphernalia for Dungeons & Dragons, such as a book or something like that. And the top three are as follows. Number three in our Discord, as tracked by Uge the Bot, is... Iron Skull. Iron Skull clocked in the last season with at level 14 on the tracker, meaning uh, 11.3 thousand experience over 615 messages. That's lower messages than some of the competitors, but the amount of memes and pictures sent seem to offset that. But number two, once again, is Hertasi. Sam Hertasi clocking in at level 19, 19.5 thousand experience with 1.1 thousand messages. And number one is our very own Tom the Tortle. Tom Aldara, level 20, 21. 1,000 experience across also 1.1,000 messages. Again, those images and videos do seem to make a difference, but here we are, Tom the Turtle. you are the victor of this season. Thank you so much for being a part of our community, and we'll be reaching out to you soon to discuss how you want to spend your reward. Hooray! Now, as far as other things that you guys uh, enable us to do is donate to charity. We have a Patreon that we used to cover operating costs for the show, do some fun things here and there, but 20% of that always, always, always goes to a charity. And over the last season, we decided to donate to the WHO Health Emergency Appeal for Ukraine Fund. As the war kicked off in Ukraine uh, over the last uh, season or two of this show, uh, we have decided to pledge our t support to groups uh, providing health assistance to people affected by this war. And uh, you have raised a little more than normal because last season our winner actually decided to forego the gift and provide that money straight to the donation. So we are providing $93 in charity to the WHO Health Emergency Appeal for Ukraine Fund. So thank you so much for allowing us to do that. It is uh, it's a point of pride that we don't just get to make the show, but we get to do a little bit good along the way. 
we also saw a bunch of Patreon content come out over the last season, uh, including some director's commentaries, behind-the-scenes videos of the animations, entrenched episodes every month. It's been something we've been trying to ramp up and bolster. And if that half-hearted statement there wasn't enough to convince you, don't worry, I've got more in the pipe. So we are going to pivot to the next season. We are simply going to be launching into the season of the new age. Laser focus what's going to happen on our new adventure because it's all going to be kind of a surprise. It's kind of a wild thing. So in season of the new age, we are going to be doing a few things. First, our charity for the next season is going to be the WRIAP, which is the Women's Reproductive Rights Assistance Project. It is one of the few national funds that uh, provides assistance and access to uh, patients trying to seek abortion. Uh, It has been a pretty tumultuous couple of weeks slash months slash years in the in the United States where we are primarily based and we are scattered all over the country so we decided to pick a primary national fund to which we would donate uh, ensuring that people that need reproductive care can get it we are also going to be including links to more local state level things in the distribu- uh, in the description of this episode as well as uh, the news post on dicepopuli.com that's going to be enumerating everything i'm saying here Focusing on the Discord, uh, it's time to let Cory out of the brig. The Pirate Prince can once again earn seasonal XP, having won the reward, I believe, back in Season of the Loaf. So, Cory, time to take off those shackles and dive back in, buddy. Let's show him how it's done. Um, otherwise, we would also like to announce that listening parties are coming back. We are constantly discussing how we want to facilitate this, but the general idea is a few days after an episode airs, we have a party in the Discord that anyone can join. We all listen together, having at least one cast member there each time to host and join in with the discussion. So we'll be posting more details on that as time goes on, but if you want to listen with your friends, we're going to make that as easy and fun as we can. Regarding the podcast itself, obviously the New Age is kicking off our next episode. Chapter 71 airs on July 6th. Uh, The Community Dungeon is being assembled by Matt. We've actually, we're not going to be doing a lot of work during July because some people have obligations, so Matt will ensure that that PDF is assembled in August and it will be available for free. Uh, We're also updating the Welcome to Dice Populi episode to include a recap of Meant to Be, so if anybody is tuning into the show and is like, I don't have time for 70 episodes, won't matter. We will have a 30-minute episode they can listen to that will get them all up to speed if they want to jump into the story right now. Uh, I also believe I'm going to be releasing some animations that I've done to the public, including a new one that I'm producing. And those are going to be available to everybody. And that leads us to the Patreon. Uh, That new animation is going to have behind-the-scenes stuff associated with it, only available to patrons that I think are pretty fun and hilarious as I build out a pipeline to put those things out more regularly. Uh, Entrenched, still coming up monthly. I'm going to do more director's commentaries. Uh, Chowder and I have plans to produce another bonus prologue episode uh, that will be Dungeon Mastered by Chowder. So stay tuned for that, patrons. Last thing I want to announce related to the Patreon is we've been saying if we get to 50 patrons, I'll do more soundtracks, but it, it we haven't hit that number, and I, I really want to get cracking on these things. So much simpler, clearer, easier to reach structure here. Right now we're sitting at 25 patrons that contribute monthly to support the show. If we can get that number just up to 30, I will produce and release the soundtrack for a second chance. And then if we get to 40 patrons, you get the locked and loaded OST with 
The Shanty as well, uh, edited for a soundtrack. And if we get to 50, then we will do the meant to be. All we need is five more patrons to get those numbers up to get volume four unlocked. And we'll be releasing that on streaming services as well as available to be sold. Um, Last thing I don't want to mention overall is our community project next season is going to be a little less intense. Uh, Ray is going to be requesting submissions for IRL mimics. So if you see a picture of something, so if you see something in real life and you think that could be a mimic, maybe it's got a face, maybe it's shaped like a body, maybe it looks like it's about to attack. But if you see something that you're just like, this could be definitely a monster in waiting, uh, you can submit those pictures to us via our email or through our Discord submission channel. And Ray is going to be spearheading that. So that's a lot of stuff. Uh, Thank you so much for those of you that have made this possible. All these details are going to be written down more detailed (laughs) on dicepopuli.com in our news section with image art for the new age so thank you for joining us please enjoy the rest of this conversation and we will see you as the new age dawns So do we actually want to talk about when it blew up in your face? I, I I would like to. I think that's a good glimpse behind the curtains. So to set the stage here, the penultimate episode of the podcast, uh, Fate Bringers uh, of the podcast, of the adventure, Fate Bringers, it ends with us meeting Emperor Kaiser. We challenge him and we literally can't do anything. And for a moment, we're all thinking, we cannot stop this guy. It's not possible. Bye, Galagath. We're going to fuck off now. But then Galagath says, no, you can do it, gang. And we end with our rally and we move into the final episode, which I'm astounded with how smoothly we handled the Kaiser encounter once yeah, we got into it. Like, But Chowder, why don't you tell us what got cut out there? Because it was not really just a quick pickup moment. What actually happened? What actually happened? So like I was trying to set up this sort of enemy that's like too powerful for you guys to just uh, stop with just attacking him. And, you know, the idea is he, by being the herald of fate, he very much has this sort of ability to manipulate fate around him. Uh, What ended up happening was you guys were, like, getting very disheartened and you just didn't know what to do. And, like, I didn't know the hint, the proper hint to give you to put you on the right uh, track. And, like, you know, whether you chose to run away or stop the machine, I want you to, like, decisively go, we're going to do this. But, like, no, you guys were just kind of like, I I don't know what to do. You were paralyzed. And that is, like, the worst feeling. You guys can't do what you want to do as players because I, as the DM, am not giving you enough to work with. And here you were, you uh, moved back to the present and you guys were just like, all right, whatever. I could hear in the tone of your voice, you were becoming disinterested. You just didn't felt involved. You felt like you were in a cutscene, and uh, that just made me feel terrible. And I just, uh, and you know, I did like go, ah, oh, God, I'm sorry, guys. I, I fucked up. I hearing you hit that point where you, where you broke character and just said, I'm sorry, guys. That was, I think, for me, as a producer and as a player, the scariest moment in the whole podcast, because I was like, like, did we break it? Did he break? Is this broken? Can we come back from this? It. We ended up having a conversation, just an above board conversation, 
reshared our feelings. And I'll tell you from my end, the 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 cutscene feeling, I I think that's dead on. I definitely wasn't disinterested. I was totally engaged in trying to solve the problem, but it did feel like after Kaiser just smacked everything down, the only thing we weren't getting was some affirmation that we can do it. It's like right. it's like somebody says, "Hey, you like playing Mario games? Here, play Dark Souls." If you go up against a boss with that context, you're going to be like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. But when someone shows you how to dodge right, you're going to be like, "Oh, there's a whole other side to this I wasn't thinking of." And we just we didn't have any affirmation that we could do anything. And it took us a, a little bit of a yeah. board to get there. Yeah, yeah, we weren't on the same page, and like I was, tr- like I was racking my brain, like how do I, how do I give you the information you need to do what you do? And like mm-hmm. I, I was, at a, I was at a, my brain was at a complete block, and I just, I just couldn't. And yeah, uh, and that's where and the whole was... thing ground to a halt. Yeah, halt. Yeah, and and that's and that's tough for me too. I find myself in a position where I'm doing exactly that, where uh, I'm thinking, here's uh, on one hand, I have the information I want to give to the player. Uh, and on the other hand, I have, I want to present this in a dramatic way with some sense of suspense or character or mythos or whatever, you know, make it mysterious. And I've had the luxury of being able to do that. If you just listen to the three prologues that just came out, the disembodied voice that reaches out to all three characters at the end, um, there will be answers on that in the future uh, of the podcast that I have planned. But like, if if it wasn't clear to the players what was going on, it it didn't break anything and i'm very scared for the day that i'm gonna i'm going to have to do that again but be i'll be in your position yeah where i i need i want to have the dramatic flair but if i don't find that perfect balance i'm gonna end up exactly where you were because it's a tough spot to be you yeah no you you juggle so much there's so much in the air and Mm -hmm. in that moment it felt like all the balls hit the ground i'm like yeah in front of an audience like uh (laughs) yeah Yeah. no it felt it, it it felt pretty tough but i I'm so grateful for the group that we have. We were able to talk talk it out and figure it out, yeah. I keep saying it. We're all dungeon masters of different stripes and of different, like, levels of experience. So it wasn't like we're like, oh, what did you do to our game? We were like, okay, we've we've been here. How do we fix it? And we all sort of had the tools to communicate with each other. And we came out feeling really good about it. And so so for anybody out there listening that listens to only roleplay podcasts and doesn't play a lot and you're like, oh, I'll never be as good as this or it'll never be as polished. No, it won't. You should hear a raw version of our recordings. They can be totally disastrous. And we literally came to the brink of the game not working. But it's still a game. We sat there. We talked it out. We gamed it out. We had fun. Uh, and you just heard the edited version of it. But it was it was such a good conversation to have. Absolutely. Uh, to be able to also, like, in the moment when you're feeling insecure, and I was certainly feeling insecure about how I was handling it, for us to just be able to say, here's what's going on. How do we help each other? Like, it it turned out super well, given our frustration. Yeah, like, what comes to mind is, like, wrestling. Like, you know, when someone, like, does a cool... Wrestling? When, in pro wrestling, when <laughs> someone does a cool takedown, the the one on the receiving end needs to, like, work with it in order to make it work. Uh, in that moment, we were able to, like, figure out how to slam someone, pull a power bomb, and slam someone into the ground. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. So, moving into some more live questions here... Chowder, uh, Arak, the Fractured Prince, asks you, how much pressure were you under 
to have the quote final chapter knowing it's not the end but of the of the non-headmaster dms you had the job of following up on everyone coming in relatively fresh and setting up for the final adventure without even knowing what you're setting up yeah how did all that hit you what what was a little nerve-wracking for me is i'm a latecomer to the group right like uh you guys were like doing your thing long before like we ever had the idea to bring me on board and like, you know, I'm coming in and it's like, how, how do I make this and make it feel in line? And how do I compare to the other campaigns, you know? And, uh, thankfully like the pressure of having the final chapter wasn't big because like, uh, ultimately I knew someone else was coming after me, uh, your campaign Colin. Uh, but I didn't real understand that. Like I had to set up the final chapter. I had to like <laughs> give you the tools to be like, <laughs> I have to give you the tools to be like, here's the final boss. So like yeah. I had to set up, I, uh... I had to set up a big, bad, evil guy. I had to set up, a set up the stakes. Uh, so, so yeah, meaning reinvent the world. <laughs> yeah, Tom is clarifying. Yeah, by give the tools, do you mean reinvent the whole world? Um, here's the thing. I, I, I'm I going to share my recollection of this. And Chatter, you can talk me through your thoughts because I don't know how you planned it. I remember in an early version of this thing as we were gaming it out and you were and I was saying, what if you put these pitches together? Uh, and you were like, yeah, but if I if I put it if we do time travel, I'm going to make sure it doesn't change too much. And I straight up said, no, if you're going to do that, I need you to go for it. I need you to commit. I, you could keep it narrow if that's what you want to do. But I actually said to him, like, if you want to undo the Badlands, like, if that's the choice that your story leads to, like, I want you to commit to that. Yeah. And uh, I did not think he was going to take me that seriously. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was like, you know, like early, early ideas really did uh, lean towards making sure as little as possible changed. So I didn't like absolutely break whatever plans Colin had. But then he's like, no, it's cool. It's fine. Do your thing. It's uh, yeah, that's my job. It's my job to worry about that. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. All right. And uh, and, you know, I'm inclined to let players actions have consequences. And uh, yes, this this is some pretty, punish me. This is some very big consequences i i think what players love most is like interacting with the world and then having the world interact back at them yeah it's why in a world of skyrims DD is still so powerful because video games so far can only adapt to you so much they're, they're like we don't have any other interactive gaming format as reactive as something like a ttrpg um and i think that you definitely went about it in the most difficult and complicated way you could have for everyone's benefit except your own. I think you <laughs> made your own life hard by making it so reactive because you really committed to the bit. Yeah. So most of the other questions that we've got now, we also do have a hashtag release the raw cut here in the uh, in in the chat. Um, release the chowder cut. Release the chowder cut. This podcast is presented in 4.3 to respect Chowder's vision. It's in black and white. What does a black and white audio sound like? It's painful. <laughs> so I have had a thought of releasing a totally unedited episode, just literally sync the audio, cut off the ends, and post it uh, to the Patreon. So patrons, either in this uh, sapia for the past, yeah, a sapia podcast for flashbacks, 
Um, if that's something people are interested in, let me know what episodes you might want to hear. I can certainly dig back in and, and figure a couple things out. Um, but most of our questions uh, from here on out are a little more general. So uh, my Eberron radio voice is is exclusively a Patreon bonus. If anybody does not know what you're talking about, head on over to our Patreon. I mean, that's a fantastic voice actor. That couldn't be me. Who's that? So as far as our other questions go, we have a lot of uh, sort of more general podcast production questions, things like that. Um, so a couple things, and I feel awkward answering some of these things that I'm reading. I should have sent Chowder this list also, but Chowder, feel free to pile on with any perspective you may have as someone who doesn't actually work on the editing side of the podcast. Gotcha. Zed asks uh, a few production questions, but one of them is, how much do we edit out? I believe we just had Tom uh, ask a question, how do we make the decision on where and what to cut? Chowder, uh, as someone who plays through the live recordings and then listens to the episodes, what is your, I'm curious, what's your impression of our cutting methodology? Before I answer, I kind of want to know how how it feels to you when you hear the edited version. When I'm hearing the edited version, uh, what comes to me is that we're just kind of cutting out fat. Like, we're not like really cutting out our band, our uh, on our off-board banter so much as we're just making sure the laughs don't last as long as they do or like the pauses in between <laughs> are there yeah. it, it's it's kind of like a cliff notes version of like what what we are talking about it, yeah yeah I, I i think my goal with the sound production and with the editing is i have a i have a pretty active imagination to the point where when i start thinking about stuff i'll start like talking to myself not realizing i'm acting out what's in my head in person like, when I really zone into a thing, I zone into it. When I read a book, I get locked into certain visuals. When I'm listening to a podcast, same thing. Um, when there's no sound design or when something isn't as rich as I expect, my brain fills in those details. And it's why I'm so interested in producing. So the 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 driving force behind everything I do in the edit is whatever I felt while we were playing the game, I want to make as much of that apparent as possible. Because in the moment, it's like, all right, everybody roll perception. It takes like a minute for everyone to roll their die, say, okay, oh, nope, that's cocked. Roll again. Oh, what's my modifier? Oh, shit, do I have Yeah, no, no, that's, it. stuff, like, it's just, that's the big stuff we it, take It takes like out. a, f yeah, so that's, that's why, um, that's why it usually boils down to like, I need you to roll perception and then you just hear 19. Because if I left in everything between the ask and the 19, the podcast would be twice as long and half and, as fun. Yeah, ex exactly. Uh. Like, uh, not an editing thing, but like, you know, when I'm, uh, DMing fights and stuff, like, uh, what I'll do is just roll one initiative for all the enemies and just, because mm -hmm. it's faster. Yeah. And it just, uh, yeah. it just kind of works. And also it lets me just have the enemies work in unison because they're all just right next mm -hmm. to each other in turn order. So, uh, yeah. I think I, uh, I, I've definitely complained about combat in D&D as being my least favorite part of it, not just from editing, but from playing and DMing. Uh, I will say that when you hear me DMing combat in the podcast, it, it moves pretty fast. We try to make the combat sound like it moves at a clip. When I'm actually DMing, the combat moves that fast because I want to get out of it. I want to keep the momentum up and nothing kills the momentum like rules lawyering a handful of D6s. That is like, if you want to play Shadowrun, awesome. 
play Shadowrun. There's a reason we are not playing Shadowrun. Like the thing, like, the thing, it's, yeah, it's, the thing is, I like getting into like the nitty gritty of like mechanics and like creating a Rube Goldberg. I think there's a place for that, and I think there's mechanics, a, but and like, I think that's a style of play. I just as as someone who is thinking forward to yeah. the edit, I am always thinking, how do I make sure that this is fun yeah and i try to do it while respecting the rules but like if you listen to entrenched uh we don't have um we don't have D going as our system for that game we're using a system called quest and quest i enjoy its combat a bit better i don't think D obviously has a lot more robust set of tools but i like quests just all right it's your team's turn and we just go like matt are you have an idea yet nope i don't and chatter's like cool i'm gonna throw a fucking molotov at him and it's just <laughs> yeah, like 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 it, it, it the the immediacy of being able to like just have a thought and do it i really like that about quest and i would like to do something like that with this but i'm i barely have the time to do what i do on the show so it's i'm not yeah really writing my problem with D&D. dnd's no, combat is the mechanics encourage you to, to just go all right i hit the dude with my sword i hit the dude with my sword yep. again uh i use yep. eldritch blast uh like uh yeah. in a different campaign uh i'm playing this warlock right and this warlock i want him to be like an illusionist of sort but uh eldritch blast is just too good in combat i, I like yeah. what i'm not it, it's yeah and yeah like i want players to solve a fight creatively uh, attack the knee so that it falls over uh hit the hit the column so that the ceiling collapses uh find yeah. its weak point that Though kind I of will stuff say yeah that works great in Resident Evil. It doesn't work as well when you're like, there's a big monster and his knee is glowing red. Like, it's just d- d- emphasizing that kind of alternate style of play doesn't always work in D&D. I think it can work. Um, JP Bark is asking, would the use of maps help or hurt to speed things up? Or do you think it would cause other problems? And we've used maps in cases before. I We generally try to avoid uh, battle maps for small encounters just because it, it we may rely on that too much and not share verbally what's going on. Yeah, and that, although I I do feel like this needs this, to be listened to. That's yeah, a I do feel like meant to be as kind of pushed theater of the mind to its limit, though. It did. It's it's something that I felt very comfortable with. Um, I don't think all of our players did. No, and I mean that's that's fine. We all have our comfort level. A couple times in Entrenched, we use a battle map, and the whole time we did that, we were saying, "Okay, no, say it out loud. Okay, now say it out loud. What did you actually do?" Where because we would just say, oh, I'm going over there. And it's like, okay, what does that mean? We need to contextualize it. Um, I, I think m- playing this for a podcast, I think for me personally, has made me a lot stronger at moving through combat quickly while making sure that I'm respecting the complexity that makes D&D fun. I think that's how I feel about it, but I'm the one doing it. So I, the other players might have totally different uh, perspectives on that. But but when it comes, yeah, when it comes to editing things out, these are all the things you're thinking about. You're thinking about what do people want to listen to as opposed to what do people want to play. It's like I said earlier, don't look to a D&D podcast to, for how you should run a game. A D&D podcast, in this case, is extremely produced. And I can tell you, I've already started working on the next adventure. It's getting more produced where, like, I am, I have always had rules in place for myself about, like, what things not to break. For a long time, I was like, don't 
mess with voices because I want it to sound like, you know, we're all role-playing. But as Chowder started role-playing five characters at once, I was like, I'm going to start putting sound effects on voices to differentiate this stuff. Um, Because it's in the game, if I'm confused, I can say, hey, Chowder, which one's this? It's Yanoa? Okay. But a listener, you can't stop and do that. So what is fun to listen to? So I we've gone from a show that had like some light sound design to something that is definitely like becoming production first. Yeah, I'll say a, go- a gold mine is to be able to pull off a variety of voices not not necessarily for the benefit of the podcast just because like yeah. i want to do boy i want to be better at doing voices <laughs> and it's not it's not a skill i have it's a skill i'm gonna need to learn yeah but it's it's it was something that was like fine in the moment we just asked clarifying questions cool um but it did i think I, i'm glad it happened because it did push me to make changes that i think are making the show better uh as something to listen to um so i'm i'm grateful for it all in all that's sort of the philosophy behind the editing if you want to know more about what specifically we edit out and how and why uh check out the director's commentaries on our patreon there are i think three or four of them up uh with potentially more to come so we've been going for a little over an hour um there are a couple other small questions that i can ask uh i i gotta say the music in meant to be was very good i i loved it like i remember like sending you Thank like you uh two different playlists one for the past one for present both with like a variety of different vibes especially like for the present which is like oh yeah here are these horror video game soundtracks from like silent hill uh, and mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, no, you you got the vibe I was hoping for, you know, like the present is tense Yay. and dark and the past is uh, uh, whether if you're in the village, it's uh, kind of rustic and nice while while you're in the castle. It's kind of like a thriller. So, yeah, good stuff. Thank you. That's yeah. I had a lot of fun with this one. I uh, so I might do a bonus of it in the same way that there was a shanty for Locked and Loaded that I released it as Patreon content. There was I actually wrote a lullaby for Bait um, way before we started meant to be, and that's what I used as the foundation for this. And I just sort of chopped and screwed it. Um, I think uh, around around Trouble in Paradise, I sort of came up with the with the rule of thumb of like I want to try to use it, things that sound like real instruments as much as I. I can unless magic is involved and that's an excuse to use synthesizers so it was very i made a very strong line between past and present by doing the same basic song but the present version was just synth and the past version was real instruments and everything kind of built out from there until we got to the final boss and I started blending them yeah. um but that is also giving me a foundation for or what meant to be is going to be. But I'm glad you liked it. Music. I think at some point I'd love to do a mu- uh, one of these where people ask me questions about um, music stuff. Just because it's... God, there's so much of it. Uh, another question um, asked by Ray. Uh, how much of Dice Populi is influenced by Star Wars, Star Trek, and Tolkien? Hmm. Well, here's the thing. Each of the DMs have their own influences. Like, uh, I've, mm-hmm. I I believe I've said in the Discord, but like my influences are like Legend of Zelda, Dark Souls, uh, Bloodborne. That, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that was obvious when you started describing the time lock abominations. Oh, yeah. That was actually, like, kind of nauseating. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, I definitely had Dark Souls on the mind when I was, like, make making meant to be. So, so yeah. Uh, but, like, you know, I know you... For for Yukon, uh, there's a lot of Star Trek in your in, in uh, what you do, like more like the City Alpha Five. Yeah. That's that's a, that sounds like a very Star <laughs> Trek kind of thing, man. It's explicitly that the whole Kahootek thing. Kahootek has turned into a bigger thing than than I expected. Um, because essentially, when I had to do the transition from uh fucking from past campaign to yours that above board 
I explicitly said to myself, I'm just going to do a Wrath of Khan joke. Admiral <laughs> Kahutek, it's Khan. I mimic the Khan music He's, when he says, you, I never forget a face, but you. Uh, like, yes. that's, that is a quote from his reveal in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. I mimic the music. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, like, the, it's, the it's, Spanish guy trying to who pretend to be Trying Indian to play guy. an Indian yeah. guy. <laughs> and then everyone got mad when they cast a British guy as a Spanish guy as an Indian guy in 2013. And I'm like, they fucked this up in the 60s. You're mad way uh, too far uh, down honestly, Honestly, what I need Star Trek to do is have an Indian guy play a British guy play a Spanish guy playing an Indian guy. Bring it full circle, okay? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you're do it. But yeah, the SETI, SETI Alpha 5 was the was the name of the planet that Khan was marooned on. And so the ships that Kahootek sails are the SETI Alpha 4 and the SETI Alpha 5. But I said, oh, SETI Alpha is, the, is just, the, it's the human word for seafarer. Because mm. it sounds like that to me. And he had the four, Cult burnt it down, and now he has the five. So I was like, yeah, Star Trek. <laughs> All right. Uh, Eric uh, says, Emperor Kaiser makes sense now. Dark Souls boss for real. Yeah. Uh, what I yep. was thinking was like a Final Fantasy boss, you know, like uh, godlike powers, a grand sense of self, uh, uh, and like especially like just this like sort of gothic angelic imagery. <laughs> In Final Fantasy V, uh, if you've seen like Kepka's final boss fight, that just like a whole lot of like angelic imagery mixed with like machinery and like this mixture of like religious and mechanical things coming together too, and that that is like the idea for Emperor Kaiser, like uh, like because again, I was kind of pushing for or uh, for a top. Uh, I was kind of pushing for you guys to eventually kill God and take his lunch money because that's what an RPG <laughs> is. Yeah. On the flip side, I am very heavily inspired. I, God, I am so into Tolkien writing. Not as much as, like, an actual Tolkien scholar. Not by a mile. But, like, I've read Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, Silmarillion, Unfinished Tales. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm actually, like, uh, listening other, to the audiobooks. Yeah, I'm actually listening to the audiobooks for uh, the Lord of the Rings. I've uh, finished the first one. I'm on two, I'm halfway through Two Towers. Uh you know, a lot of thoughts uh, listening or uh, it's, reading it for first yeah, time. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things where uh, like Tolkien became sort of like so much of D and D is based on Tolkien's writing. There are obvious problems with some like some of the things he wrote at the time that just don't hold up today. But um, I think the the idea that stands out to me is that. More than anything else, Tolkien's approach was, I have an idea for the world and I need to explore it. Not so much I need to tell this epic story, but like, this is the world. Extrapolate. Push the extrapolate button. How does yeah, it spiral no, you, out you from could, there? You, Cause when you, you could tell this was made by a history professor because who boy yeah, does he like yeah, he has history? He, do, he does. And like the Silmarillion is not fun to read, but the stories in it are fucking incredible. And when I finally read... Uh, Baron and Luthien, Children of Hurin, and uh, the Fall of Gondolin. Those are basically what his son did was he took the Silmarillion and, and said, like, here are the main stories from it. I'm not going to rewrite them, but I'm going to take everything my dad wrote and put it together in these volumes. And when you actually have a version of the Silmarillion that's focused, it's like all that boring history stuff from the Silmarillion, when you dial into the stories inside it without editing them, they're incredible. So I don't take a lot of inspiration from Tolkien in like a very literal sense. Like I'm not looking to explore orcs. I'm not looking to explore specific gods. I'm not obsessed with the geography. What I am so fixated on, and this is the extent to which I pull from Tolkien, is 
we started off with an idea of this is going to be Ocean Tardis. We have a boat and we sail from island to island and each ep- each campaign is a new Doctor Who adventure. That was what we started with. We had Ryan's sketches of information, my first adventure, and I just sort of set planted that. I've been helping people figure things out along the way, but I have... I still have not fully planned the final adventure because I am so in love with the idea that we started with this foundation and have built out from it. Because if you, this is not one of the things where if you go back and listen to Encounter from Farpoint, you can predict what happened to Kaiser. Nobody fucking knew. We had no idea that was going to happen, but this is the story we've chosen to tell together. And by handing off from DM to DM, I love the unpredictability that comes with it. And um, I am so interested in seeing how the story grows, evolves, and extrapolates more than I am in telling a story myself. I am scrutinizing what you guys have done and what your characters are doing. And I am trying to find find the little nuggets in that encyclopedia and pull them together for something crazy. That is what I'm trying to do. Uh, but really beyond that, this is just like Chowder said, a cobbling together of stupid jokes, references, and inspirations that each of us bring from our own domains of geekdom. Bringing that back to common geeking program. <laughs> That, that is it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's the best. It's the best term for it, honestly. The the domain. Yeah. Like when we're. It's. I can't think of a better term. So, how about we end this on in an inflammatory question? So, who's the best DM of the group? Hmm. I can hear. Uh, I can hear our friends across the country polishing their guns as we speak. Mm, so here's the thing. I've only. I've only like had two DMs on this podcast. Uh, that would be Pat and you, Colin. But uh, mm, mm. well, how about okay? Let's actually turn this into a real question. You can you can answer, Ray. We're not going to turn this into a poll question until Dicey Waters is over. Eric, don't say who your favorite is. I'm gonna. I can't. My my little heart can't take it right now. But Chatter, if you and this is not like you passing a judgment, but listening to before you joined, you heard Encounter from Farpoint, It Came in the Night, Trouble in Paradise, and A Second Chance. You listened to all of those as like a fan before we invited you to join the podcast. I guess maybe as either a question of style or of story, which one stood out to you the most? Like which one made you like most think, oh, this would be pretty fun to be a part of. Yeah, of the ones I listened to and not like Pat's campaign, which I participated mm-hmm. in, that would definitely be, yeah, that would definitely be Ryan's campaign in Stonehome because like, one, it sets up all these mysteries. What are what are these like horrifying hyena monsters that are attacking everyone? Uh, what's the story behind this uh, temple thing people were residing in? How did, uh, how did what's his name become the big scary knoll motherfucker that we meet? Uh, not knoll, uh, Buddha. The, but, uh, the Buddha or whatever, yeah. yeah. And uh, and of course, this isn't really do DMing. Just like that is the one that had the most dramatic thing happen in Maeve killing a bunch of innocent people by act. Which like, yeah. R- props to Ryan. He managed to wrangle that ad into something because like there's yeah. no way you would have expected that. How how, how do you uh, basically nope. go back from? Oh God everyone's gonna hate our heroes how do you exactly have them participate in the plot when everyone around them does not want them in the plot anymore uh yeah and no and he did it well i mean he said it in his q a like he he came up with a whole death cult of people that worship mave as some sort of supernatural relief from their suffering and i was like that's i'm i'm like a little heartbroken that that was so early days that we didn't know what we were doing and it came up so short um but now he has entrenched so it's he got his he got his yeah. HBO Max spinoff. He's fine. <laughs> 
One day I'll have my HBO Max spinoff where uh, we're doing Call of Cthulhu. Someday. Someday. But for now, yeah. We'll make it happen. All right. Um, Chowder, I did miss one question I'd like to ask you specifically. Uh, Matt did ask, what was your reason for using a djinn? as an integral part of everything was there something about the creature's lore that drew you to it uh, or any other creatures that you considered for the role oh. referencing um the gin that we found at the bottom of the mage lord labs yeah. uh, in that, the that, that, uh, that's city a capital good question because like uh uh you know, uh, one uh, part of what made me want to use Jin is in real life religion. You know, Jin are these powerful beings with like a ton of knowledge of the arcanes, and like you know what that particular role needed was like a creature with a lot of arcane knowledge. Uh, other creatures I considered was the corpse of a dragon, a captured fey king, uh, uh, and even just another god. But I ended up going with the Jin because one, the precedent was set for this thing to exist in. Uh, yeah, with Crinkle Snoot. With Crinkle Snoot, mm -hmm. yeah. And two, I like the idea that uh, this thing that feels like it wasn't, or this thing that uh, feels like uh, a sort of side story actually has a connection to what's going on here. So mm -hmm. that's why I ended up going with the gin instead of the other ideas. And uh, yeah, and I guess the significant change I ended up making was like making a delineation between these like uh, mindless monsters that are more akin to what we fought in Quinkle Snoot and like this like arcane or this powerful being yeah. that's almost a god but not quite and i really liked it for a few pretty subtle reasons I, I i think the fact that you followed up on the crinkle snoot thing i think worked super well because part of the reason we added your adventure to the end of this patch was originally supposed to be the second to last adventure but when he told me what his idea was i knew locked and loaded was not gonna give me the world info that i think i needed to build a satisfying conclusion and I wanted him to be able to tell his story. So that's when I started talking to Chatters. Like, I want to... I want to investigate the world a bit more. And he gave me his ideas and his pitches. And I think what you're following up on the Jin does is because... Um, Al-Raid, the djinn in your campaign, and Commodore Crinklesnoot, the djinn in Pats, are so different. Even though we have a very limited glimpse into what djinns are, we know there's a very broad spectrum of what they can be. So that implies a lot of complexity. And... Also, they are so, uh, like, so much more powerful than spellcasters of the playable races, but clearly not as powerful as the Pantheon of, as the Lamas, the Azagars, the Asmagas, the Kaisers. Uh, and I think that that one decision colored in so much about the breadth of this world without having to investigate it. And I think that that's, uh, I think that was a very smart decision that you played very yeah. well. And I'm very grateful for it personally. Yeah. Uh, with Al-Raid, I think uh, what I want to get across is, is that while powerful, his power isn't so much like what he can do, but rather, rather what he knows. Uh, yeah. Tom the Turtle says, Jin, Stonehome Monsters, and Tie Play. You did a nice job tying the previous arcs together. And I just want to say, thanks, man. I think, I'm, yes. I'm very content with what I accomplished, and I'm really happy that everyone else is happy too so yeah yeah i'm a i'm a big fan of the idea of retcons that make past entries more relevant um i, I love for sometimes i love long-running franchise because because there's like hey here's the thing from 20 years ago let's figure out what was going on there and like chowder did that within our podcast and that is always what i'm trying to push everyone to do uh i'm always looking to pull things back not for the sake of fan service because i'm not a nostalgia junkie but like if we can look back and strengthen what came before while telling 
telling a new story. I think that's just smart storytelling. Yeah. It's not the only way to do it, but I'm a big fan and I think he did a good job at it. So that is going to wrap up all our prepared stuff. We've been recording a little longer than I'd hoped, but I feel like I could go for a lot longer. Those of you in the chat still with us, before we wrap this up for realsies, do you have any other lingering questions or comments that you'd like to share? Maybe a question I neglected to answer that I could just edit out again. I don't know. Is there anything else that you would like us to talk about before we wrap up? All right. Uh, mostly just, uh, oh, how did the Stoneholm beasts get to that they were island? Born there. Honestly, I do not have an answer. Oh, you mean to the island of Stoneholm? To the island of Stoneholm. Uh, right. No, it was not. It was, it was not explained. I have my own answers for that. What Ryan initially pitched was that the Stoneholm monsters were an ancient form of weapon uh, developed by, I think, by the elves. I think Chowder kind of canonized that they were indeed by weapons. bleeding the power from the Jin. Yeah, they were weapons by the uh, they were weapons by the um, by the Mage Lords seeping power from the Jin, trying to absorb its power in different ways. They fucked up and they created the monsters, and they're like, eh, close enough. What I think happened is, I think me personally, I don't know if this will ever come up again, but I think that based on what Chowder said in Ryan's description, is that. These weapons were developed, and after the cataclysm happened, Badlands was created, tears went up, um, everything sort of fell apart, and some of this stuff was left outside of Nar Eniel. Maybe these were troops left somewhere else, and Bellerin Ricard uncovered the secrets of it and recreated mm. it. Um, whether we explore that or find out if that's what actually happened i don't know it's not entirely my story to tell but that's my yeah uh, i mean i mean um, i think that kind of connects to uh, a bit of a bit of trivia that uh never really uh got expanded upon but like nar and y'all that that's actually uh elven and uh what it means is stone home it is the elven word for stone home uh what, what i was you f you fucker what i was like uh intending with that was like you best like like stone home is to Naren Yal, what uh, real life cities are like, like Rome, New York is to Rome, Italy, or uh, New or mm. New York City is to Yorkshire. This is <laughs> Ryan's adventure took place in New Stoneholm. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> a couple other quick questions uh, coming up here at the end. Uh, will we get Jerry back? Last I remember, he was on an island, right? Um, I'd have to double check. I believe canonically the last time we saw him was on Burger Island in the above boards um, at the table and off the table leading into this adventure meant to be. Um, so what happened to Jerry? I don't know yet. I guess we'll find out what happened to Jerry at some point. But that was the last time we saw him. Uh, Colt was ripped from Jerry's loving hands and dragged into the central tear. Um, and I mean, Tom asks follow up if the Badlands are gone. So what happened to them? Like, you'll see, you'll see, you'll see. I guess see. we'll find out. I guess we'll see what happens. Chowder is, is, do you think, do you have, you have now seen five chapters of the story that I am telling and I can tell you, you ain't fucking seen a goddamn thing yet. Um, do you want to give any vague non-spoilery teases for what people can expect in the new age? Meow. <laughs> Okay. All righty. God, wasn't expecting that. Okay, here we go. 
Thank you guys so much for being a part of this Patreon chat here with us. Thank you listeners for tuning in. I I love talking about this stuff. I could do it until the day I die. Chowder, thank you so much for sitting down with us and uh, and bringing, bringing some clarity to this very complicated large adventure. It was super ambitious. I think you did a great job and I'm very grateful for it. Thanks, man. I, I, I was having fun just uh, explaining the nitty, nitty gritty. Like sometimes I wonder if I over explain yeah. things like, but nah, nah, this was fun. These are lightly edited. So if you are over explaining, everyone will hear it. I'm sorry. Um, no, all, but no, I think all that about of wraps China knows it. you overexplain. Exactly. So that I think that about wraps it up. Thank you again to our patrons who joined. Ask us so many fun questions in the moment. You are a delight. And we cannot thank you enough. If you guys want to be a part of things like this in the future um, and look for, you know, bonus content, director's commentaries. Uh, I think, Chowder, you and I t- discussed uh, a special bonus project that we haven't put together yet. But I would like to I'd still like to do it. Yeah, so, no, same. But, you know, you've got the shanties. You've got entrenched every month. It's there's we love doing this so deeply. And we love that we can share it with you guys. And making the podcast is fun, but being able to sit down and talk about it is, it's its what every DM wants to do. It's you want to sit down and explain all the crazy fucking investigation board notes you've made during the planning. And we get to do that. Thank you so much for it. With that, we're going to sign off. We will see you in one week from the airing of this episode with the premiere of The New Age. Ciao. If you have the ability to crank up that gain, mm. you're certainly welcome to. I'll, I'll just keep my mouth close to the mic like I'm supposed to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there's no paper rustling to be done here, so.